And now for something completely different. A radio show about books. Didn't think it through at all. Inconceivable! <laughs> yes, the show's serious. That's totally a thing. Thank you. Tarzan of the Apes. Brought to you from out the pages of Edgar Rice Burroughs' immortal book. Oh, wow. In the beginning, the universe was created. This has made a lot of people very angry and been widely regarded as a bad move. And now for your host, Daniel Thompson, a completely underqualified buffoon who has no idea why he's here in the first place. And all were amazed and said, this guy is really good. Do you do children's parties? <laughs> good evening, everybody. Or morning, or afternoon, or noon exactly, depending on what time you listen to this. How's it going? I can't tell you what the weather's like outside because I am not, in fact, outside. I am inside, where it's warm. Because I went outside earlier, and it was not warm. It was very not warm. So, I don't actually know what it's out like now. Probably just even less warm than it was before. Man, I tell you, I'm already feeling the semester. High fives to all you college people back into the game, and those of you still in high school or middle school. Do we have any middle school listeners? That would be psychedelic. Wow. Why are you listening to me? Do you look up to me? That'd be the weirdest thing. Wow. That's a weird thought. That's not a thought I need at 9 o'clock at night. Anyway, I, we've, got, <laughs> we've got Paul Regnier in today, and this guy is the bee's knees, thebomb.com. He wrote Space Drifters, which is a space opera slash comedy, and it is lots of fun, and he's lots of fun as a human being. And to my college people, welcome back, guys. We can do this. Enjoy the show. You're here because we want the best, and you're it. Nope, couldn't keep a straight face. All right, Paul, tell me a bit about yourself. What do you do? Uh, I, I'm in, like, web design, graphic design. Really? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hey, that's very cool. That's what earns the paycheck, you know, and then the, the writing is sort of my future hope. <laughs> future <laughs> hopes and dreams. Rest yeah. On- Rest I mean, on the stories. Like sort of balance them. That's sort of my, that's my goal, I guess. You know. Yeah, man, it's hard. You know, oh, dude, it's like it's crazy. It's funny too because I, I, I was listening to an earlier uh, podcast of yours, and you're you're into screenwriting. Is oh yeah, right? love screenwriting. But uh, yeah. I also do the novel thing. But I've been been doing more screenwriting lately. Okay, okay, yeah, because that's that's sort of where I first kind of started writing because I I, um, I was like a radio TV film major and I just thought like oh wouldn't that be great you know doing screenwriting because I just hope you know love the whole motion picture yeah. uh, fields but um, and it was cool you know I wrote I wrote uh, I wrote a few but it was you know I don't I don't have any contacts in the Hollywood in- industry so it's like if you don't have that it just I don't know to me it seemed like such an uphill battle you know but oh, uh, man yeah 
it was still like it was a blast. I mean, I love it. And and plus, I think one of the other things that did it is like you're always having to hit that like 120 page like max stop. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, sometimes when I have these stories, I'm like, oh, but I got so much more I want to say, you know. And and but then you were always sort of bound to that. So that's that was one of the things where it's sort of like the novels became a lot more freeing, you know, mm-hmm. as far as like if you wanted to do more backstory or rounding out like sort of the, the character a little bit more. Um, I don't know. I just, and, and plus that inner monologue, it's, you just, you can't even have that in a movie. So that's, that's, you know, you sort of get all these other extras that you get to do with the, the novel writing. So yeah, the inner monologue, I've been, I was talking with a buddy of mine. We were, uh, we were talking about Ender's game. Have you read Ender's game? Not yet. I want to. That's on my to-read list. But anyway, yeah, Ender's Game uses so much inner inner monologue yeah. that the absence of that really hurt the film adaptation for Ender's Game. Oh yeah, because it was so heavily it relied on that so heavily. It did. And oh wow. The Ender's Game movie, you know, it's all right, but the Ender's Game book is amazing. And we were talking about, hey, how could we bring inner monologue into film? We talked about several different ways to try to bring it in because you can't have like a ton of voiceover. Yeah, you, you have to have something. Yeah, like the otherwise you get like so much narration, which can sometimes work. I'm. Do you remember? You, you've seen Blade Runner, right? You know, I saw part of Blade Runner. I got oh, about. Gotta see, gotta see a classic sci-fi with Harrison Ford. But they have they have a couple different versions. They have like the theatrical release, and that had like a bunch of um, narration from Harrison Ford, and it was really weird. Like when you hear it, you're kind of like. Um, I don't know, it almost seems like out of place. And even when he's doing it, it just seems very dry. And, uh, um, but then they have like a director's cut. So I was going to say, if you're going to watch it, like get mm-hmm. the director's cut because they just, they took all that out and it just flows so much better. They, I, I don't know. So it's, it's just a weird thing with trying to get that inner monologue into a movie. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Like even, even with like a cool movie like that, mm-hmm. sometimes it's just the, just watching it unfold and figuring out yourself. Yeah, what's going through everyone's head. Yeah, it's just part of that sort of like that magic of, of watching a movie. You know, you're sort of visually interpreting like, oh, what's going on? Where it's like, if you tell them too much, it's sort of like, okay, I just wanted to figure this out on my own. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I started watching the director's <laughs> cut. I only got about halfway through it. I don't know if I was bored or annoyed or there's something about it. It's, I was in there. Well, it's definitely got that that more mellow vibe. You almost have very to just, noir. Yeah, yeah. Especially with how movies are now, it's like dun, 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 you know everything is like crazy. Yeah. One, but that one is definitely more a, a laid back kind of film. You almost really have to is. be in a, a relaxed mood just to like kind of chill and you know watch it. Because some parts can almost feel like the dragon, but you all, I don't know if you get in the right vibe and the right frame of mind when you're watching that. It's just, it's, it's like, it's beautiful. Yeah. Know? But your book, Space Drifters, is, isn't quite like that, is it? No. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's definitely more of the uh, Star Wars, Star Trek kind of uh, Wild West in space sort of vibe. Well, I was going to say, I, I started reading it, I'm like, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's got some uh, Hitchhiker's Guide uh, overtones. You know, that's, I, mm-hmm. I just, I remember reading a couple of those, just thinking, oh, this is great, you know. Oh, Hitchhiker's and, is my favorite sci fi. Yeah, today. and there was, you know, there was a, um, a series of fantasy books written by um, 
uh, Robert Asprin, the Myth series. I don't know if you ever read those. It I haven't. Was, Another Fine Myth was the first one, but it was kind of the same, uh, Not maybe not the same, I shouldn't say, but it was um, sort of that humorous, lighthearted uh, approach to fantasy books. And I think they, he wrote like, it was like 10 or 12 in the series. It was crazy, just kept going. I actually, I read it to I think like the sixth or seventh one. I, I didn't finish all of them. But um, it had a, like the similar thing where it's kind of like, once you're a fan of the genre, right? Like I was mm-hmm. a big fantasy fan. Um, yeah, I still am, but I kind of a little more into sci-fi these days. But back then I was like all crazy fantasy. Yeah. And he, and when I got to his books, it was like, you know, all this comedy was in there. And at first I'm like, whoa, like this is new. This is weird. Cause I was used to like fantasy being so serious and epic. Oh, it's, it's always so serious. And it's- yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden here's this guy and he's taking all these things that I love, you know, about the fantasy world and genre, but then he's just like throwing in like all this humor and just sort of this lighthearted adventure. I'm like, you know, this is really cool. <laughs> and I, I loved it. And I just, that sort of like that. And then, and then later on when I read Hitchhiker's Guide, it sort of kind of set my mind thinking like, oh man, isn't that, that's such a fun way to treat a genre that you already really enjoy and you kind of know the elements about it. And, but then just like adding this humorous um, angle to it as well. It's just, I don't know, I found it really enjoyable and obviously it influenced <laughs> what I'm doing now. So. Oh, absolutely. And I agree completely. Like, I think when you add comedy back in, to these genres, it, it brings them back to life. Yeah. At, at some level, whether it be sci-fi or I'm working, the listeners of my show, they already know this, but I'm working on a dystopian comedy right now. And it's very, oh. it's very <laughs> Douglas. Yeah, that's, that's people's yeah, response. That's an uphill battle right there. <laughs> well, man, you wouldn't believe how well it works. And oh, okay. It, the, the genre actually lends itself to the comedy because it's just, I mean, no one really does it hardly anymore, it seems. Well, yeah, see, now that's that's cool. That's kind of taken what we what we were just talking about and almost like to the to the extreme. It's like, it is to the extreme. It's most like, like depressing genre <laughs> of, you know, story, you know, when everything has gone wrong and the, you know, the earth is totally destroyed and, you know, mm-hmm. blackened hulls of buildings and remains and, and now let's make it funny. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I just love that. I'm a big that's fan. That's great, though. I love it. I don't think, um, as far as I know, I don't think that's been done. So I think uh, you're, you're on to something, Daniel. It hasn't been done in a long time. I've been, I started talking to a librarian over here at my college. I'm at college right now. I'm a sophomore. Uh-huh. And uh, he sent me on to some, some uh, dystopian, apocalyptic uh, comedy okay. uh, by, by a guy by the name of Philip K. Dick. And, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. He, yeah? You familiar uh, with Dick? He did Blade Runner. That's right. He did write Blade Runner. Yeah. Do, uh, do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep yes. was the original title, which is, I guess that's why they changed it to Blade Runner. <laughs> yeah. You know <laughs> what? Just, I would have too. <laughs> but, uh, you know, for a movie, it just sounds a lot cooler. For a book, that's kind of, it's like more interesting title. But, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, he's, he's, um, he's done some pretty quirky stuff. That's interesting. Quirky. Just very odd and. And your your book, starting to read into it, it's, it's definitely got the lighthearted, fun feel. I, I really dig it. And uh, I was reading another interview that you had, and someone had described it as Guardians of the Galaxy meets Firefly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like combination of two really fun things. Yeah, I love Guardians of the Galaxy. That was such a fun adventure. It and, was. And a, another movie that was, like, I always think is, like, uh, Galaxy Quest. I love the way they treated that <laughs> 
Someone had such a funny thing to say about that movie. They said, when you watch it, it's a comedy, but for the for the characters in it, it's a horror film. You know? <laughs> and I thought that's so funny. That's so great. You know, it's like all these all these actors of you know basically a you know a Star Trek you know kind of mm-hmm. uh, show. And but now they have to do it in real life. I just it's great. I, I I mean I guess it's not the first time they. I think they did the the same thing in like Three Amigos, you know, with the. Uh, yeah, um, probably. I haven't seen Three Amigos yet. Oh, oh, you gotta see it. It's, it's on my it's list. Classic comedy. Yeah, it's just <clears throat> it's that idea where actors that portray these characters suddenly are thrust into having to um, do that in real life, like be their characters in mm-hmm. a real life scenario. So it's uh, it's an awesome. I love that 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 setup is great. But I just I love the mix of adventure with humor. I you know it's sort of like these two things I enjoy like sandwiched <laughs> together, and it's just you know it's like twice as good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, I agree. I so much agree. Much agrees. And speaking of humor, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back after this. For VSWS News, I'm Daniel Thompson. A Norwegian man in a red house coat was allegedly spotted snowboarding down a residential street with a coffee mug in one hand and a book in the other, whilst playing a song about how good it is to be, quote, gangsta. The liquid inside the mug was later revealed to be chai tea, and the book tile was found to be Fliegenschlagen. Both items were recovered during the investigation which followed after the Norwegian man in question was thoroughly beaten up by an actual gangster. A Pennsylvania man is being allegedly accused of sawing a hole through his mother's basement and into a neighbor's adjoining home for the express purpose of stealing said neighbor's quarter collection. Reports indicate that the man succeeded in entering the home and stealing the quarters, valued at $200, and then placed a t-shirt over the top of the new hole. Drugs were also found in the man's possession, and authorities believe this explains a great deal. An issue with the online program Google Translate resulted in the word Russia being translated into Mordor, the phrase Russian Federation into Land of Shadow, and the name of Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov into Sad Little Horse. Google denies any human involvement with the error, referring to it as a bug. A very specific bug. A man attempting to swipe a wallet in a Philadelphia gas station was allegedly chased by a Buddhist monk. The wallet, evidently belonging to the monk in question, contained $350. The monk was buying lottery tickets in the gas station prior to this event. A 25-year-old man in India accused of stealing and swallowing a woman's gold necklace was forced by Indian police to eat 48 bananas in an attempt to retrieve the stolen jewelry. Law enforcement found this technique to be very successful and were able to return the gold chain to its owner the following day. The owner has since placed the chain in a plastic bag and made known her intention to have it exchanged at its place of purchase. Finally, a Denver vocalist has released a parody version of a hard rock song in which she has rewritten the lyrics to teach listeners how to cook shepherd's pie. She was probably homeschooled. For VSWS News, I'm Daniel Thompson. And we are back. Now, does your comedy come, does, does it come from the top of your head, or do you take some real-life stories and weave it in? How do you, how do you go about your comedy sometimes? Uh, you know, it just sort of flows out. You know, I, I think, um, I, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm what you would call the the seat of, seat of your pants writer. You know, I just kind of... Are you? Okay. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, but I don't really start until... I'm not... I'm, I'm definitely not like an outliner at all, but I do like to at least sort of have this skeleton of where the story is going to go in my mind. 
So I kind of like, I know where it's going to start. I have these, you know, a lot of cool, like middle spots thought of, and, mm-hmm. and I know how it's going to end. And I know most of the characters, but then I just sort of like launch into it. And then that way I kind of feel like I'm kind of on the adventure with the characters. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's my way of kind of feeling like I'm, I'm there with them. I'm immersed in the, in the universe because then I almost have that same fear, like, you know, what's going to happen, you know, anything yeah. can happen, like what's going on. And I, I like that element of like mystery and suspense. And I don't want to, I don't want to feel like too locked down to like, okay, it has to go this and page 20, we've switched <laughs> to this. You know what I mean? Yeah. I want to leave a little open to like, um, you know, cause I, sometimes you're writing and just like the thought hits you like, oh, this would be perfect if this happened and let's mm-hmm. introduce this character and, and oh, let's have like this crazy alien just invade the ship at this point and, you know, <laughs> just like start wrecking stuff. And, you know, I, I don't know. I just, I love to be open to that, but within sort of that broader structure of like, I know where it's going eventually, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, how you get there, that's going to be the fun part. See the pants breed spontaneity. I think that's the strength of yeah. that technique. Yeah. Is yeah, that you, you just don't know what's going to happen. The problem that I run into when I do see the pants is sometimes my spontaneity is really my brain recycling things. So I have to be careful. Well, yeah, I guess on a subconscious level, like, yeah, that's, um, you know, it's sometimes I do it like, wait, that thought just came way too easy. Is that from a movie? <laughs> Where did that come from? Yeah. Did I really just think of that on my own? Like, you yeah. know what? This seems brilliant at the time, but I'm pretty sure someone else has done this. <laughs> well, that's sort of a fear, too. Like, especially what what if you put something out there and then someone goes, oh, hey, you know what you did over there in, you know, chapter five? That was straight from, you know, that movie that I and then, you know, that's like the nightmare, right? Yeah, absolutely. No, it's already out there. I can't change it. Yeah, definitely. Now, when I'm writing comedy, I do a lot of character base. Like, I come up with the characters i let the comedy try to flow from them and a lot of times here recently i've done uh, real life people mm. like i met a bunch of really weird people at college i'm like you know what i'm plugging you in i'm plugging you in and that's how i'm gonna kind of that's gonna be kind of the basis for my comedy do you do any of that do you do any characters based off of people uh you know it it i'm sure I, I, over the years like you just meet all different kinds of people and i'm sure you, you just like all these sort of like little nuggets of inspirations kind of get filed away, you know, in the archives of your brain. And then just later on as you're writing that they just sort of all mesh out. Yeah. You know, I think that's true with not only with comedy, but just with characters in general, you know, like all these, you know, specific characters and their unique qualities and their personalities and just their quirky behaviors. I mean, it's gotta come from somewhere. So you just, yeah, you meet people and, um, you know, you just get that cool inspiration for different, you know, and, and, and like different writers that you read, you know, you kind of, you almost get different perspectives Yeah, and it just, it all kind of flows together for, for fun, cool ideas. And then you sort of just find your own thing. But, um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I agree with that completely. That's a, that's a really good point. So the space drifters comedy all the way through, man, is it like that? Or does it get really intense or what happens? Yeah. Count well, you know, just uh, honestly, I, um, I think the adventure and the story part of it, I think is more in the forefront. Cause I, I mean, I don't want to be, I don't want to like force the comedy where it's almost taken away. Cause there's certain parts of it where, you know, it's like this adventure in space and there, you know, things get pretty intense at times and I don't want to, um, sometimes you know, like too much comedy, you'll just kind of diffuse that. You're not the Marx Brothers, is what you're saying. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to have it so much where it's like, 
oh man, this part was really intense and I was really into it. And then all of a sudden you just threw all these crazy, like, uh, you know, gags in there and it kind of like made it not as suspenseful. So, suddenly space penguins, you know, and it just doesn't. Uh, yeah, I don't want to make it so goofy that it's like, you know, um, that it's no longer this intriguing adventure that you that you're really, you know, rooting for the characters to survive. So I think, yeah, I definitely want to lead with that. And then the humor is just sort of part of the character interaction, really. Yeah. It's just, you know, them kind of a little bit of bantering back and forth and um, just, you know, adding another layer. But yeah, I think more of the, the adventure and, and the, the suspense of, just, you know, the, the, the science fiction, uh, science fantasy kind of. Oh, yeah through space that's that's more of the 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 paramount and your premise lends itself really well to that having the kind of the space pirates space outcasts yeah, it's just, yeah. it just reeks of fun and adventure and <laughs> that's what i really dig about it thus far yeah it's kind of like that classic i always love it when the story is sort of that um that you know you have spaceships that can fly from planet to planet you've got like all you know this mystery of like what are you going to find on this planet is there mm -hmm. going to be hostile aliens but are they going to be friendly but just like it's the star trek mentality it's totally yeah totally star trek star wars just like this pure unknown exploration through space and just adventure and you know always keep a, a laser gun handy if things uh -huh. are crazy and you know i just I, I love that kind of that view of the the universe of the future so yeah that's definitely that I went with. I love how we're in movies, we're starting to get that spirit of adventure back. We're keeping it very grounded, but the last couple, Gravity, uh, Interstellar, and now The Martian, they kind of have that spirit of getting out there. They don't have the, like, the, the alien exploration, what's on this planet thing. Yeah, but they that's... I guess that would be more of the uh, hard science fiction. Yeah, they're, this hard science fiction thing is coming back in a strong way, and I think it's really kind of fun. Did you see The Martian? Have you seen it yet? I haven't seen it yet. It's it's on my to-watch oh, list. Go, go see it. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've heard really cool things about that. I saw like once I saw the the teaser trailer, I'm like, okay, I gotta see that. Yeah, it's just and once again they kept it lighthearted, and that's what I love. I oh, mean, it did that. See, I, I to me, I thought that would just be like intense all the way through. You know what? It Unlike Gravity, which Gravity was intense the entire time, yeah. uh, The Martian was seasoned the entire way through with Matt Damon's quirky humor. Okay. And it really works for the film. It, it really works. It almost, and they have, like, they play disco music. Like, because <laughs> like, he's on this base that his, his other astronauts were on. They have to evacuate, and he's the guy left behind, you know? Right, and right. So one of the astronauts, the only music on there is this disco music, and he hates it. But it almost gives it this Guardians of the Galaxy vibe. Yeah. You know, so it, yeah, The Martian is a lot more lighthearted than you think it is. It has some dark moments. Uh -huh. I, th I think it has to, but for the most part, it's just a very fun space romp. It's it's gravity meets Castaway, but funny. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's definitely another reason to watch it. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Now, hey, I want to talk a bit. Um, space Drifters is is isn't this your first published novel? This, yeah, it's my first uh, traditionally published novel, uh, my first science fiction novel. Um, I have, uh, I mean, I've Lots been... Lots of firsts. Yeah, I mean, I've, I, well, the thing is, I've been like, um, you know, writing is such a long journey. I've been writing since I was a kid, but, you know, mostly like short stories and comics. And then when I got to college, it kind of turned into the screenplay. Um, and then eventually it turned into the novels. And, but, you know, I... I 
I knew very little about the the whole literary industry. So I was just, you know, the, um, I had I had written a, a fantasy project that I self published, but I guess you could sort of look at that as my uh, student film. <laughs> yeah. Know? Because it was just my like, hey, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm gonna launch out into this world and just see what happens. And uh, it was um, it was a good learning process because I just through that. Um, that's when I started going to like writers conferences and meeting meeting mm -hmm. other writers and and um, talking to you know publishers and uh, people from publishing houses and um, you know agents and and just learning how the whole industry worked. And you know what I need to do to really you know if I'm going to pursue it in a more serious way, like yeah. hey you know you gotta you gotta have this you know this press kit and you gotta send it to you know these agents you get an a and I'm like oh okay okay I'm learning all this stuff uh, all right that's what I do all right I'll do that <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh this this is good stuff I want to I want to make this a topic of the next podcast so we're gonna come back and talk about this Monday Paul thanks for so much for being in and I will talk to you soon. <laughs> You're listening to the Very Serious Writing Show. Well, everybody, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I'm glad you listened in. You can find Paul Regnier on the Facebooks or the Twitters or on his website, which has to do, I think it's spacedrifters.com. Don't quote me on that, but something it's something to that effect. So if you type that in, you're going to run into it. We are going to be having a giveaway next time around, but if you simply can't rate, you can always if you simply can't wait, you can always go and buy his book on Amazon. Or you can get like the little preview of it, which is what I did. You should always get the preview of the book on Amazon. Because that's the best thing. It's fabulous. So, you know, you can do that. I really want to go to bed, so <laughs> this is going to be short. Facebook, Twitter, Goodreads if you're homeschooled, iTunes, SoundCloud, thatguywiththehat.com. Pretty much, that's all the details I have for you today. Yeah, there's, there's no announcements. Nothing's really been happening. I'm taking business statistics and microeconomics and managerial accounting and intercultural communication. And one other thing. What's the other thing? Intro to Management Information Systems. Doesn't my college sound fun? Yeah. It's really kind of funny that I'm taking all these serious classes. Especially since I show up to class today in a shirt that's literally covered with Mr. Bean's face. There's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight Mr. Beans on my shirt. And he's they're all, they all have different expressions. And that's just kind of how I go to class. Mm-hmm. It's a special school. For special people like me. Anyway, you all have a great day. I will talk to you again Monday. Catch you later. Bum shakalaka.